it's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour. Welcome back, everyone, to the LET Golf Podcast. I'm George Cooper. With me is Nicola Kenton. And this week's guest, we've got teenage superstar, Kiara Noya. Kiara, how are you doing? Uh, good, thank you. How are you on this fine Monday evening? We're pretty good, yeah. Same old. Looking forward to the start of the, the season again. So, I mean, what about you? We've had this big break. What have you been up to? I mean, I took it like three days off and then sort of went straight back into it. Obviously going to school, trying to study a little bit here and there. Um, but yeah, we've just had, uh, we had two weeks off obviously because of Easter. So that was really nice. Um, so barely really missed anything. But um, no, it's, I feel like the, the little break is good, but um, can't wait to get back on, on tour. Of course. And you're out in Dubai at the minute? Yes. <laughs> How is it out there? It's really nice. I think that it's slowly getting a little warmer. I think we're sort of getting the weather change now. Um, we're getting towards 36 now. I mean, it's beach weather now. Pretty good. And you mentioned school. You've just turned 17. Like, how's it all going? Oh, depends who's going to listen to this. Is this my head teacher? Um, loving it. It's great. Um, no, actually, I, I don't mind school. I think it's actually quite interesting half the time and it's good to socialize and you know be back with my friends so it's not like that's exactly something I don't look forward to but um yeah busy busy times I know GCSEs are kicking off in three and a half weeks now so I know everyone in my class is sort of running around stressed but um I'm doing mine in the October November set and then the rest in January so I'm a lot more relaxed than everyone else and I'm I'm taking full advantage of teasing them. Yeah, I mean, how do you juggle that, really? You know, practicing so much and studying. I mean, I definitely don't practice as much as I would like to. (laughs) Um, I can't spend all day at the range, you know, especially when you've got school till three. But um, no, it's Ramadan right now, which means we have shorter days, which is obviously helping. But yeah, no, do I juggle it? I think I do. (laughs) No, you know, it's, it's trying to make sure that the time that I do spend there is as effective as possible sometimes it is quality over quantity um but do I think I'd be a better golfer without school yes would I be a better student without golf also yes so um (laughs) it's it's like a tipping scale that you sort of got to try and get right yeah absolutely and back to the golf I mean you've made a a strong start to the season where would you say your game's at I'm playing well you know I made yeah I've made mistakes here and there um but I think I've been pretty solid regardless um I'm sort of doing what I what I know I can do. It's not exactly like too hectic just yet. I've been able to take my breaks here and there. Um, I've tried to be smart about my season. I took two events off in between, and I think that was pretty good. And I'm going to try and just make sure that I plan out my season to give myself time to practice in between, just come back recovered and strong. Um, that's one of the mistakes I made last year. I just sort of played everything and anything, and then showed up really tired towards the end of the season so um, I'm going to try and be smart this year and on the LET Golf podcast we like to go back and see how our players got into golf but normally the gap is a little bit longer between someone who's on tour when they got into tour (laughs) but yours doesn't seem that long ago that you started playing golf no I started when I was three or four years old Um, both my parents were really keen golfers but like Nothing too crazy, you know, just 
trying to get out there as much as they could. And I guess I'm an only child, so I was dragged along. <laughs> um, but I think for the first few years, I was definitely more interested in driving the golf buggy. I think golf was not the priority there. I was building tents out of umbrellas and everything. So um, I think it was only really when I got to like maybe five where I was like, okay, well, this is like, what are mom and dad doing? I didn't really pick up anything else before that. Yeah, I mean, I think I really wanted to beat dad. I think that was always the motivator growing up. I think uh, my dad was a plus two handicap, so he was always a pretty decent golfer and my ego couldn't handle that. So um, that's that was the driving force for the first few years. But um, it wasn't really until I moved to England when I really got into the game. I mean, so many people will be like, I started at three, I started at one, I started at two, but it's like, as a five-year-old, are you really practicing? No, you're not. Like, you know, I was still bringing my, like, teddies to the golf course. It's not like I was grinding it out for hours. But, um, yeah, I think when I was, like, seven or eight, I really got into it properly. As I say, what was it about golf when you did get, eventually get into it after, you know, met, I'm sure messing around with some plastic clubs and doing everything else? Um, when you actually got to kind of seven, what was it about golf that you kind of realised, oh, no, I like this sport. This is good. I seemed to like the anger issues it gave me. <laughs> no, but I think, um, I think to be honest with you, just trying to be dad, because dad was always practicing at that point, And then I, I just wanted to sort of be around him. So I kind of went like, hey, can I come down to the range or whatever? And when he was playing with his friends, then I wanted to always join in or, you know, be the center of attention. So I guess I wanted to just practice and try and beat him one day. Um, to this day, he swears I have never beat him. That's called delusion, if you ask me. But um, no, I think that was always sort of what I was trying to do. And then I, I, I guess I liked the peace and being out in nature. Um, I grew up in England, so when it did, when the sun did shine, that was a rare occasion. So battling the elements, I guess, must have seemed enticing to me. I don't know why, but um, no, I, I really enjoyed the sport sort of from an early age on and. I like competing and I think it's a very individual sport, which suited me. I think also because I'm an only child, I was never really a team player. Sharing was not caring for me. Um, so <laughs> I guess it was a sport for me. Yeah. And what are your early memories of kind of what do you remember the first competition that you ever did? I don't know if this was my first competition, but like I, I remember the golf club I got my first handicap at. I got my first handicap at the Shire London. That was when my dad was a member, so obviously I was I was trying to just still trying to beat him at this point, and I just barely got a twenty eight handicap, which I thought was pretty decent for the first handicap. But yeah, I think one of my first competitions I was playing in like a flight with the men because I was the only like the only girl, except this one lady. So there was one lady member and then there was just me little old me <laughs> and I was playing in this event with these big guys like they were like older men I guess but they were very built and I was really scared of them all around um and I think I remember that round really well because they sort of had to introduce me to the rules I think because it was the first tournament I'd ever played and I remember I had to take a drop and I was just really confused by the whole ordeal <laughs> um but no I think it was it was really fun just sort of growing into things and I think also just being the younger kid a lot of the time and having to play with adults that sort of matures you and just teaches you to the I guess the patience of the game but yeah didn't really have very many juniors around growing up but as you say it's one of those things where you do you start golf and you don't necessarily know all of the rules unless you say going into competition for the first time 
Well, I mean, it's not like I could have pushed the trolley by myself. It was twice the weight and size of me. I think, like, that was... I just remember that day, and I remember one of my, like, first junior tournaments I played, everyone got a participation trophy, which is a concept I'll never understand, because that yeah. does not relate to life whatsoever. <laughs> but um, I, I still have that trophy. Is it sat next to your Jeddah one? They're next to each other. I think it's just above the Jeddah one, if you know what I mean. Yeah private place of course and uh, speaking about kind of golfing heroes when you were growing up when you kind of got more into golf and watching the sport who did you look up to within the sport of golf I mean I hate to say it but I think when I was like especially young I didn't watch very much women's golf I think it was always the men that I was watching you know watching the masters you're rooting for people but I, I like I was always watching runbacks of like Tiger stuff like that because I was not I was not there for Tiger's main era. Like I was, I was too young and not even born yet for the main stuff. So I was watching a lot of that, and I think um, just hearsay of like what my dad was telling me. Because obviously, when you're like eight, I was watching Barbie. I was not watching golf all that much. Um, but I think um, once I was like ten, eleven, twelve, I sort of realized that like there was a difference between men's golf and women's golf. Like I had never really grasped that, and I think also that golf was like someone's job. I didn't understand that either. So, like, obviously, like, growing up, I find it so funny when people are like, oh, like, I, I always dreamed of being a golfer. I'm like, well, I didn't really understand what golf was till I was, like, nine. So <laughs> maybe I was just a confused child, okay? But, um, no, I think when I was, like, 10, 11, 12, I really got into women's golf. And then you're watching, I think that was when Michelle Wee was still really, really popular. So my mom used to always say, like, my, my one wish in life is that, like, because there was this massive picture of her in one of the pro shops, and she said, well, my one dream for you is that one day we're going to get, a, like, a poster that big of you in places. And I think that I still remember that day now. And whenever I see a picture of me anywhere, or, like, when I see myself on the branding at the Aramco events, I always send a picture to mom. I'm like, look, there I am. No, I think that was one of the main things. I, I grew up watching Michelle Wee because she was really tall, so I thought that was, like just more relatable to me and then over the last few years just watching Lydia Ko watching the quarters I think they've always been great advocates for the game but there's so many amazing players and I hate to be like there's one because I think women's golf is all about like all of us I think the entire product that we have and I hate to be like oh well there's this one person that brought me into it because you know I think just there's so many different stories and so many different like games out there I had an appreciation for all of them definitely makes sense with as you say everyone um but I know that you also attended some golf events when you were in the UK did that kind of thing you met Charlie Hull uh when you were it wasn't even that long ago again (laughs) but (laughs) um obviously she's a big name in England so what what was that like meeting her for me I guess when I was that age I think when Georgia Hall won uh, the AG, that was a very big deal for us in England. I think that was like, okay, well, she's English. And I think Charlie and Georgia were basically the, the, the names that I heard being thrown around basically for the entire time I lived in England. So when I was watching the girls play at Auburn, obviously one of the flights I was really keen to watch was Charlie. And I think it's really cool to come back like full circle, basically. And I think she was just a great girl out there I think she's been an amazing person since as well um it's been amazing being able to tee it up with players like that and I think yes ways like 
Jetta turned out the way it did, but I think she's still a great role model of mine and that has not changed whatsoever. And there's so many things she's achieved that I still got to catch up on. So it's not like that's changed in any sense, but I think she's a great player and things like that really get you going. Because I think when I was younger and then looking back on pictures like that, you know, that really inspired me when I was younger and being able to watch women's events that close to home growing up in England was always really nice because seeing girls out there with the crowds I mean that's what we all dream of being we all dream of being the superstars of something and I think that's sort of the moments like that were really when I was like okay well this I think is for me um because when you're younger you know you're just like okay well I like golf but when when you learn to appreciate just what it is I think it makes it all the more special yeah for sure and I was just about to ask when did you know that golf was for you and that you wanted it to be a job so you've already preempted me. um but yeah was it kind of around that period where you're 14 kind of 13 14 going yeah actually this is what I want to do I think also I mean I hate to say it but golf is more fun when you play well I think everyone can relate to that so I think when I was like 10 11 12 I was slow I was getting out of that like beginner stage where you're still having like some funky missits if you know what I mean um so I think I was really like I was understanding the sport more I was getting better at the sport and I think that was sort of the moment where I was like well this is kind of really cool and there's like an athleticism behind it and there's professional people and that's when you sort of respect the professionals even more because then you're like okay well I practice for like five years now and look what I'm doing, and look what these girls can do. Um, but I think, yeah, sort of around that time. But then I think when I was like 14, I played my very first professional event, um, and I thought that was really cool. And I think that was when it sort of solidified. Obviously, it didn't go the way we wanted at the Moonlight Classic, but I think I learned so much at that event. Um, and I don't think I would be where I am right now if I hadn't flopped, we'll call it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think the season that sort of came from that event, 2021, um, that was a really good learning curve for me. And I think I, I learned a lot about myself. And I think in golf, it's very easy to appreciate golf when everything's going really well. But it's it's the hard times when you feel like no one stood behind you, when no one's got your back and every door is being closed in your face that you really appreciate just how good the good times are. And I think that's when you really crave them. So that's probably also another defining moment. Yeah, definitely. And what was that decision like to turn pro in the end? For me, it was never like a, to, I've, today I've decided I'm going to do it. I think because of COVID, I didn't, I live in Dubai, you know, it's, it's not like we have amateur circuits out there that are comparable to like global events. It's not like that. So I think when I was, when COVID hit, that was sort of like, okay, well, I can't travel as an amateur. I can't compete. You know, I'm trying to get better, but it's like, this is just not what I thought this was all about. Like, I love competing and I love traveling, but with amateur golf and COVID, that was just not happening. And I got really lucky to get some invites for the LHC Access that year. And I think that was really one of the main stepping stones to helping me sort of go that direction because I sort of saw that I was ready to compete there. I think the first few events, I was quite kind of like, I don't want to say like nervous about it, but I was like, okay, well, how different is this going to be? Because it was a new environment. And when I sort of realized that it almost suited me a little better, I feel like after the moonlight, I sort of thrived a little better under pressure than I would have had before. And I just enjoyed that, like that environment of it. And I, I think 
for me, it was very difficult to imagine myself sort of going back to amateur golf because it would have felt like a step down. And to some extent, I was ready to compete on that tour. And, you know, I was doing very well. So it was difficult for me to just go, okay, well, I'm going to go pack my things. And, you know, when COVID's over, I'm just going to go back to playing amateur events. And I think also, you know, most people don't want to talk about it, but COVID was hard for most families, I think, both logistically and financially. And it just, it wouldn't have been possible for me to travel all over the world. Oh, yeah. For, I guess, I don't want to say for nothing, but for no pay, you know, it's it's a cost and that's money spent and it's gone to some extent. There's no return on it immediately. And um, I think that was also a reason behind it. Like there's just so many private things and also like that experience of being able to be on tour. And I almost won my first professional event at 15. And then, you know, there was just a lot of things going on. But then one of like the final like clicks that it was for me was when I got the invites for the Moonlight Classic that year, and then the Saudi International and the Jeddah Team Series, because that was like, okay, well, these are like really big events, and these are really cool opportunities. I can take these as a professional or an amateur, either way. But I felt for me, like long term, I was just going to grow more as a person if I did it as a pro. Yeah, absolutely. So those like invites when you went and played what was that like being your age and you know having rarely teed up for many pro events and then suddenly you're there with some of the the biggest names in women's golf basically okay this is a lot I don't know most people probably don't know this but when I first played the Moonlight Classic in that 2020 right that was with like a laser right that was with laser because the pro-am was inside the tournament so obviously they had to somehow allow laser and then for the event that I played in 2021 there we go sorry 2021 we thought it was going to be with a laser as well so we played the practice rounds gone about our day with the laser I get an email the night before with like from Sophie just going through like the final you know and I see DMDs are not permitted I have a panic attack I run downstairs I'm crying I'm like dad like what are we gonna do we don't know this golf course like we haven't played it for no laser and I remember my dad he was so calm he was like oh, it'll be fine you know you've played you've played the course in the tournament before you'll be fine you know like he was trying to calm me down and I remember we there was just something wrong about the par threes I kept having the wrong club in and my dad's really good with he's a great caddy you know he's pretty spot on with everything but um <laughs> I kept overshooting stuff by like 20 yards I was like really confused I was like dad am I just super strong today what's going on but only on par threes and we were so stupid I'm not even joking into the until the final like second to last par three in the final round we did not know what was going on he was like well Kiara you're you're doing something wrong and I was like you're doing something wrong until finally my dad's colorblind okay and it's at night I I look at the yardage book I'm like dad what the hell is going on I open it up He's been looking at the wrong distance, like on the yardage book, because it was in red and he can't see that at night. So he was looking at the black number and he gave, he was looking at the wrong distance all tournament. (laughs) And I remember I'd gone to sleep and I wasn't even mad. I was just laughing about it at that point because I was like, I was playing well. It's not like I was, you know, losing the tournament because of him in that sense. Um, It's not like I lost a playoff because of it. 
Um, but I'd gone to bed that night and I remember at 3am he just walked into my room. He gave me a kiss on my like forehead and he went, I'm so sorry, that was my fault. <laughs> and that's like one of the most amazing memories I have because I thought it was just so funny how there was just so much confusion um, and it just shows that you need to read the fine print. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you'd messed up meters and yards. But <laughs> that could have potentially happened. Like, yeah, that was just so that's much going on. I did not understand what was going on, and like those fallow bunkers can be a little, a little sandless at times. So I think um, I was not happy to be in them all day, every day. Um, but no, and then going obviously into the Saudi International and then the Team Series Jeddah was really awesome. I think the the Aramco Team Series and the Gal Saudi events in general are just some of the best events on tour. And the organization is always so much fun. So I think that really felt like a special event to partake in. And obviously with the field, it was so stacked. And playing against the likes of Lydia Ko was really, uh, like, I was stunned, I think, for most of the week. And I was really nervous. And I, I got to talk to her uh, over breakfast. And I think moments like that really, really get you excited. But I hurt myself the day before the <laughs> Saudi International. And I, re- I was really angry about that. I'm proud of how I came back. I remember I really struggled first round. I made the cut and then I played some pretty decent golf to sort of get myself back into it. Um, And then for the team series, I guess I was feeling a little better and I managed to play some good golf. So (laughs) those events were a really fun start to being a pro, not going to lie. Well, it sounds like you're a bit starstruck at first, you know, when you meet these these huge names. Is that that still there or is that like you're now like, okay, um, I'm like these guys? Absolutely. I remember seeing Lexi for the first time in New York and I was like, no way. I was. The problem is like these players are probably getting creeped out by me at this point because I'm just staring at them. <laughs> like I'm not even hiding at this point. I'm just like standing by the putting green watching them. But I think it's so fascinating being able to play with players like that. And I think at times it's just like all the experience and the and the history they come with and you know obviously the results um but i think a lot of the time you meet some of these girls and it's just really amazing seeing what great characters they are um and you'll see some of the best players in the world you know you almost see why they've deserved that and i think they've done justice to the name that they have i'd just be watching them and like trying to be a sponge is it have you like seen one of your heroes do something and you're like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do that moving forward now I think I think some of the really big players they've been really amazing. I think um, they they've like whenever I've played with them in the Aramco Team Series or the Saudi International, they've always been very open to questions, and I and I haven't exactly shied away from asking them. To be honest, <laughs> they're probably like, "Can she just just shut up?" <laughs> but um, I was borderline interviewing some of them at some point. But um, no, I think um, playing with team or under team Allison Lee and. Soda Grande was a really good opportunity. I, I got to ask her a lot of questions and just speaking to someone who, who has experience of being a pro and, you know, is on the LPGA and, you know, she seems like she seemed like a really great girl and, she, you know, she is a really great girl. Um, so that was a really cool opportunity and just sort of getting that insight from players of that caliber was really cool. Um, but yeah, I think every opportunity to sort of see someone else's perspective and I always ask questions like, how does this course to compare to that? And like, how does that work? And, you know, it's, it's really cool. And hopefully one day I'll be, I'll be there with them. <laughs> and we'll, we'll hone in on Jeddah, uh, specifically last year, obviously where you got your L.E.T. win. 
Um, so how did you feel going into that week? Because obviously you'd played Access for the year. Um, and then, as you said, burned yourself out slightly, maybe playing too many events. <laughs> uh, took some time off, did some school and then played New York. And then obviously went into Jeddah after that. So were you kind of feeling, were you glad you had that bit of a break per se of competition? Yeah, exactly. I think I was really grateful for the break. And even the break in front of New York, I think I had two and a half weeks or something. And I was really grateful for that. And I think you see a lot on my results. You sort of see when I come into things fresh and rejuvenated and with time to prep and be rested, I tend to play a lot better. Um, So I think just being able to sort of come into things with a fresh mind and a clean slate is always good for me. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, like, it was such a shock to see you win in Jeddah. And, like, I never know how to deal with that because I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? Because <laughs> I think um, I played really, really solid golf um, for all season, you know, whether that was for the Aramco Team Series events or on Letas. I think I was very proud with how I managed sort of the pressures of the season. And I think I sort of dealt with having to being, you know, being chased by what felt like um, a large pack by the end of the season and you know making the choices and you know saying okay well I'm gonna prioritize my body and my health over this and that and I think those decisions were very mature of me to make at the time and um, I think it all sort of paid off coming towards the end stretch and coming into things with a good good game plan and being able to just prep for things Um, so I'm gonna try to do that again this season and I have done so far hopefully I stick by that Um, but yeah it's it's been good and also just traveling to New York was really cool so um I use that as a bit of a holiday anyway so hopefully that's what maybe I need to go to New York again and then come back and win something else <laughs> use use a tournament as a holiday prep which I'm sure a lot of a lot of people do it <laughs> and that was the fact that obviously you already had your let card you had let status for 2023 already heading into that tournament did that free you up in any way because obviously you were just playing for yourself for the result for you know whatever you didn't have anything riding on it <sighs> that's that's difficult because to some extent i want to be like yeah but I, d- I don't think that would be true because i think um i think i was just I went into that tournament with just very realistic expectations, I think. You know, I said to Dad going into the final round, I said, if I want to win, I need to shoot 7-9 under par. And I that's what happened, you know, it's not like... I didn't I didn't go into anything overconfident. Like, it wasn't like, oh, well, I'm, I'm free now, because I don't think pressure has affected me very much over the last season in that sense of like, okay, well, here I need to perform and here I don't. I've just sort of gone into every week and tried to make the best out of every situation. But I think also with Letas, it was a very difficult scenario because I felt like I'd already got my card very early on. I had a quick start. Events were added and I felt like for most of the season, I wasn't really playing for my card anymore. I felt like I was just playing events to sort of just get it, you know, get it done with to some extent. Um, It was a long season for me and then I was really tearing myself out I remember I was crying in Anna's office and I was like I just want to go home I had not been home in five months which is pretty dang hard um and I remember that was a really cute moment um but my mom did obviously fly out to see me uh twice but it was a it was a difficult season for me I think emotionally just because I felt like I was doing I was doing pretty well um but it was just very difficult because I'm a planner I am 
and I like to have everything mapped out. And when things were like being added and altered and cancelled and changed, that was really difficult because for me, a season is planned. I say, okay, well, two weeks here, week off. This here, that hotel, fly then, fly then. It was difficult for me to sort of have that continuous rest and like recuperation in the places when I needed to have been there. And, you know, it's, I'm trying to learn and learn as I go, obviously. You know, it was my first year on tour. I can't know, I don't think anybody approaches it correctly. But I think everyone on my team was was pushing me in the direction of saying, like, Yara, you need to just chill a little bit. And I'm glad I listened to that eventually towards the end of the season. But, yeah, I was pretty stressed all year. <laughs> <laughs> and then, obviously, um, as you say, the final day in Jeddah, you knew that you had to shoot a low score, which you went and did. Um, but, yeah, how was what was that like on the first tee that day? To be honest with you, I wasn't even thinking about it because I knew it was gonna. I was gonna have to shoot something ridiculously low, and even if I didn't, like even if I did shoot that, there was no guarantee that I would win. You know, because if someone else shoots seven under, you know, or like Charlie shoots her seven under or whatever, whoever else was in front, then it's like okay, well, I did my best, and I was I was proud of where I was. You know, I was playing decently, and I wasn't trying to force anything because at the end of the day, uh, you know, golf is a game of of chance to some extent and you the only thing that you can control is yourself so that's what I was trying to do like I'm not even joking even to 16 I was I didn't even know that I was anywhere near the lead um the leaderboards at times weren't updated like that weren't electronic so the leaderboard on 12 didn't have my name on it yet um and I didn't know to be honest with you for most of the round I knew that I was somewhere up there but I didn't know that I was leading or if I was tired or one back or you know and I didn't exactly think that was an issue I think that sort of I don't want to say made me more comfortable but it sort of made me more hungry for it because it's it's easy to sort of look at a leaderboard and if you're too in front then you're like okay well I'm good do you know what I mean but if you don't know where you're at you're still like you're just like okay well I need another one I need another one I need another one I need to save this I need to make this because you're just hungry for the game itself and you're just hungry for whatever you're trying to achieve rather than that overall picture. But yeah, like it was strange because even on 16, like 16, I hold that putt and I was like, okay, well, cool. <laughs> you know, like, okay, that probably helped. Um, I remember on 17, like my dad went like this and I was like, huh, what? I need a hole in one. <laughs> and then he was like, you're leading one. And I was like, oh, okay, I see how it is. <laughs> Yeah, I would not have known otherwise, which was kind of crazy. And I remember walking through the tunnel and because I, I didn't hear what he said. And then one of like the other spectators went, you're leading. It's like, oh, OK, cool. That's, that's nice. <laughs> um, and then obviously that bogey on 17 was really annoying because I had a really good shot into the green. It was just a, a very bad club. I think that just went that was very shocking. And then 18, I had that awful bunker light and I was just like okay because you've got the water behind the pin it's not like you can go very aggressive with the bunker shot um sorry that was a horrible situation because I was like well do I go really aggressive with this or do I trust my bunker play or you know like it was a very you had to have a lot of feel and judgment there and I guess I I just estimated a little too soft I hit the shot pretty decent um and then second bunker shot obviously was a pretty good lie Um, so I can make my par um, and hold that putt. That putt was probably the most nervous I was because I knew that if I don't hold it, then it's gone to some extent because I knew Charlie wasn't going to bogey 18, you know? So yeah, that was, I think that was a really nice moment for me and I was, I was pretty calm, I think, 
for most of the round and I think I've maintained that calm pretty well since sort of realized even in New York I think I, I've sort of learned that the shore there's so much emotion behind it and you really want to make it happen and there, of course there's a little bit of fear but I keep going back to it like I don't need to be afraid to fail because the failure is basically guaranteed you know because golf teaches you to lose you know there's one winner and you've got a hundred other girls who who've not so I think I was just trying to make best of every situation so apparently I did that quite well I was gonna say and then into the playoff obviously you were a couple groups ahead of Charlie so you had that thing where you were on the putting green kind of waiting around and you were you were really yeah you were really trying not to look over because obviously the putting green looks directly onto the 18th green you were really trying not to look and every time someone would say oh are you watching you were like no 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 I'm putting um yeah what was that what was that little period like well my dad was like Kiara don't putt because he was like don't do that like don't be stupid because the thing was right he knows me and he knows I like to self-sabotage because he knew that if I like I was gonna be stressing and he knew that I was gonna be holding putts and if I missed one I'm gonna like try and fix it do you know what I mean I'm gonna be trying to change things and I played well all week you know there was nothing to be fixed nothing to be changed my pace was good my starting lines my reads were good so he was like well why putt and I was like I just need to distract myself because I didn't want to look and then I remember every single time there was just a massive camera in my face And it was stressing me out because I was like, well, I kind of just want to be left alone right now. Like, can we focus on Charlie, please? (laughs) But no, it like it was a really quick experience and I appreciated it. And I soaked in all that spotlight that I could grab. I'm glad. And I was like, Dad, should I go to the driving range? Should I go to the driving range? And I was like, I was annoying him so much. And he was like, Kiara, calm down. You're okay." And I was like, "Okay, cool. And I guess, um... The playoffs sort of happened. I was very, I was very calm. I remember, um, I got like a Sprite on my way there. Like, anyone who knows me knows I'm like a health fanatic, okay? I don't, I don't drink that, okay? Like, I I stick to my water, my electrolytes, um, my bananas on the golf course. Um, but I was, I was really tired and all the heat, like, you're sweating a lot out there. And my dad was like, we need to get your sugars up. You got, like, the maximum, you're not going to be here for very long. (laughs) <laughs> which was nice of him to say I guess you either win or you lose you know like but get some sugar in you you need some energy so I was very grateful for that and then finally when obviously you did end up winning what was that moment like what do you what do you remember I remember it like you gotta imagine right Saudi is hot and humid and at that time of the year you're sweaty okay and I remember like I was so stressed because I was just sticky everywhere. I I was trying to get you to do a TV interview and you were like, I just need a minute. Because <laughs> obviously I had just come from the bunker from 18 and like you're hot and it's windy and all the sand was stuck to my face. And I was just like, I looked like a crazy person. Um, so, so I just, there was so many things going on. And then the cha- like the champagne like pop thing was just out of my comfort zone for the sense I'd never done it before and I was like great I'm gonna experiment in front of like hundreds of people it's gonna be great but yeah there was there was a lot of stress that day um and I think it only really settled in when I called my mom like afterwards I think then I was like oh well I've just won a golf tournament like I think telling my mom was like when I really settled in and then obviously the plane ride home with the trophy I was like cool (laughs) 
<laughs> I was going to say, how did you celebrate after that win? Literally not at all. I had to go back and do my mocks. <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry. Everyone's always like, how did you celebrate? With a burger. I had a burger, okay? Like, because I... Like I said, I eat pretty dang healthy. So if I have a really good tournament, I'll celebrate with a burger at the end of the week. Because I know otherwise, like, I would not do that. So, um, yeah, it was a good burger. It was worth it. A burger and some exams. Just just what you want. <laughs> just a, a wild night. You know yeah. how it is. <laughs> and since then, kind of, how did life change? Has life changed? I mean, I haven't changed. Maybe the way people look at me has. But I think that's their problem now. <laughs> um no but I think um I have been you know I, I think nothing changed before and nothing's changed after you know there's been some external things that have been nice but um I think I approach things the same way I wouldn't exactly say my ego's changed either I think I believe in myself just as much and I doubt myself just as much at the same time I think golf is so mental and I think I'm always trying to trying to just learn I'm always trying to get better um, so it's not like I'm saying, okay, well, that's where I need to go. I'm saying that's where I need to go from. You know what I mean? Um, so because, you know, at the end of the day, you can say I did this and this yesterday, but it's about what you're going to do tomorrow. So, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Right, Kiara, I'm going to pick your brain now on some off the course activities. Enough about golf and exams and all that boring stuff. Right. So when you're not playing golf or got your head in a book doing your exams, like what are your favorite things to do? I was going to say read another book. <laughs> no, I'm a reader. I love reading. I think traveling encourages that so much because you're without like Wi-Fi a lot. Hanging out with my friends down at the beach. That's always fun. Yeah, I think just seeing my friends is always something that's really special. Or just having a lion, you know. When you're traveling, you always have an alarm set for something. So I think it's nice to just feel like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay up really late tonight and lie in my bed for two hours and do nothing but I think one of the main things that is so very disappointing about real life is that you don't have a breakfast buffet everywhere you go <laughs> um so yeah if, if anyone wants to install like a private chef in my house feel free <laughs> absolutely so what's what would you say is your biggest talent then besides golf my biggest talent yeah yeah I'm, I'm a very good writer um I write I, I'm pretty good at writing I enjoy writing as well um whatever it is, uh, one of my A-levels I'm going to choose is English literature. I just enjoy it. Or I think that goes hand in hand with the reading, like music. I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy listening to it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming golf is my biggest talent. I mean, it's the only thing I've been recognised for. <laughs> and when it comes to like reading and writing, then what sort of what sort of stuff do you read? Oh, God, what... Uh, I'm not going to get into that today. <laughs> There's an endless list. Is there? Surely you got a favourite book. Come on, you got to have a favourite book. Oh, that's really difficult. What is my favourite book? I don't think I have a favourite book because there's like different directions you can go in. Like for each genre, I'll have a different... I don't know, and it changes every week because I'll get overly obsessed with the one I've read last week and then I've got a new one in my hand. I'm like, well, this is my new favourite book. I don't know. Ask me once I've read them all. Okay, we'll go with that. And, uh, and back to the golf then, like how does your, what's a typical day in the life of Kiara in terms of practice? Okay, well, um, one that d- depends heavily on, heavily on where I am, what time of the year it is, because right now it's Ramadan, so I have the schools only till 1 or 12 or on a Friday 11.40, so that gives me a little bit more 
like variety. If it's a regular Wednesday afternoon in January, then I guess school's till three. So I don't exactly have as much time. But I think um, I've learned to be a little bit more concise with what I do and just do it properly. I, I, I talk a lot, me and my trainer, we talk a lot about stresses. So we talk a lot about me not pairing two stresses together. Um, obviously, I sit a lot at school, which is not great for the body. And then obviously, um, I'm young and I'm traveling a lot and practicing a lot. So we're making sure that I'm healthy. Um, so I, I'll always compare, like, I'll always combine two, like, different set parts of the game. So I'll do, like, swing work and, let's say, putting and then chipping and pitching because those will be two different stresses. Um, and then I'll go gym three times a week. Um yeah, there's there's a lot of variables and I think my team and I we work really well to try and balance things out and make sure that I do things to cater for my body and make sure that I'm healthy and prepped because one of the hard lessons I've had to learn is that practicing a lot does not necessarily mean that I'm going to get better. Um it's been a hard pill to swallow, but I think um it's benefited me over the last well, I won't even say last few months. It's probably been over like a year now where sort of exams have been creeping up. And I think I've almost made more improvement in the last year than I have before just because I have been, I've like I've been more mentally tired after practice days because just just because I'm actually thinking a lot more. I'm not just hitting balls. I'm not just doing things like everything I'm doing. I'm approaching with a goal and a, like a end result I have in mind. And I'm just being smarter, I think. And I don't want to be like, okay, well, I practice like 10 hours a day and then I go gym for four and then I run a marathon because I don't. Um, I'm not perfect in any way, shape or form. But um, yeah, I do. I do as much as I can. I'll say. Yeah. And in terms of your swing, which you mentioned there, is there anyone like you modeled that off when you were younger? I don't think I've ever really had. I think one of the main things I've always been told is like you can never copy someone's swing. Just because everybody's body is different, you know? Like, there's so many swings. Like, even I am like, okay, well, this swing is so gorgeous. I wish I could swing like that. I wish I had this position. I wish I could do that. I wish I did this and that. Because I think we're all super critical. And I think the grass always seems greener on the other side, no matter who you are and what you are doing. Um, but I think um, my team's always been very adamant and about telling me, one, you have completely different proportions even if you had the same angles and the same speed and the same positions, they would look very different on you. And I think a lot of people need to realize that. Um, but also, I think, sorry, my phone just went. I have a times where I've ever swung it the best I've ever had, and I played some of my worst golf. So I think everybody has sort of a unique swing to them and a unique, like, pattern, I guess. Like, I'm going to be battling the same swing fault, I'll call it, or the same, like, issues for the rest of my life because that's my DNA as a player. And I have gold in my swing, as my coaches like to call it. That is something that is part of my DNA and something that makes me tick, basically. That makes me as a player work. So I, I hate it so much when people get, like, I don't want to say self-conscious about their swings, but when people focus too much about swing, like so many people have said, it's golf, not golf swing. Um, and I think that shows a lot on tour. If you look at you know, just the top 10 in the world, every single one of them has a very different golf swing. And each and every single one of them has a different thing that they that they do that works for them. And they all have different strengths. And I think it just shows there's no sort of right path. Of course, there's some things that work better for some people and some things that don't, but you can't really compare. Yeah, absolutely. Although you did say in uh, South Africa that 
you know, you spoke a lot about swinging it healthier and you were swinging it well. So how is it that you've done that? What, you know, what work have you been putting in to achieve that? Some, some of the coaches um, that I've met before, not my coaches, but some other coaches have, have like asked to like film videos or to like show other students, which I appreciate a lot because that's a massive compliment to me. But I think it's very important. I've always said like, don't teach this and that because there's some moves in my swing that haven't been healthy in the past. Um, because they haven't been for every body type and there's some things you can't recreate and some that you can and I think just making sure I'm a tall girl I'm lean I'm always going to be susceptible to some sort of back pain and I need to make sure that I work really well on that and I think you know I've been pain-free for the longest time it's not like it's still an issue today but I need to make sure that if I want to play golf for the rest of my life that I'm able to and I'm healthy enough to Um, and I think playing well is part of playing healthy um so that's what I'm trying to do I'm not going to give away all my secrets though (laughs) but you can tell us of course what your sort of goals are I guess for the next year next five years like what is it you're really hoping to achieve I'm not a goal gal that's all I'll say like I have things that I want to achieve don't get me wrong but like I hate when so many like maybe that will change about me but where I'm at right now and where I have been at in the past I think so many people will say like, okay, well, for the first half of the year, I want this, this and that done. I want these tech, these boxes checked. I want this to happen. I want to achieve this in five years and 10 years. And like, I find that so difficult to resonate with because it's not going to happen. Like I'm a planner. I want to put my times on a board. Like I have a massive whiteboard with my plan for every hour of the day. And it's difficult for me to realize and say, okay, well, by the end of the year, I want to have this, 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 and that, because that's the dream. Things are going to go differently. There's going to be ups and downs. Maybe I'll overshoot, maybe I'll undershoot. But if I don't achieve it, what am I going to do? Am I going to cry a river or am I going to work on the next thing? You know what I mean? So it's, it's difficult for me to say that. I think I, I want to approach every tournament with the very best mindset that I can. I'm going to make the best out of every situation. Golf is hard. Okay, we need to acknowledge that. It's not like I can go, okay, well, tomorrow I want to shoot a 68 and then a 67 and then a 70 to top it all off. Okay, cool. I want to win the lottery. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's it's like, you know, of course, there's things that you can and can't control. It's not like it's like all chance and all luck. But I think you got to you got to be a little bit more realistic at times because I hate when people are like, well, what are your plans? Are you planning on being top 25 and this and that? And do you want to win the order of merit? Well, of course I do. I want to be number one in the world. I want to win this and that and that. And I want to win a major and I want to qualify for that. Of course. But that's not a goal. You know, my goals will be I want to have the correct preparation going into every shot. I want to have 100 percent focus. I want to make sure that my attitude's good in between and after shots. I want to make sure that I prep correctly and I want to make sure I'm healthy. It's, I guess it's a different type of goal setting um, and maybe that will change. Maybe I will become more accustomed to goals, but just in the past and how I've worked, it's just never been for me. And one final one for me then, you spoke a lot about traveling. First of all, what is it like to travel as a 17 year old? And secondly, where's the best place you've been to? <sighs> you can't do that to me. Come on, you didn't give me a favorite book, so you've got to give me a favorite travel destination. You not tell her, I can't make decisions. This is why she's a planner, because <laughs> planners have it laid out so then you don't have to make the decision because it's done for you. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll go with nostalgia and like euphoria in that sense. I'll say New York just because it was my first time competing in the States because 
New York is like, I guess, just so romanticized. I'll say that. And then also because we had a hotel right by Central Park and it was beautiful. And I spent two, three days before. Well, actually, no, how many days did I get there early? I think I got there six days early. Um, so I spent a couple days roaming around New York and just soaking it all in. Does that mean New York's perfect? Absolutely not. But did I did I just enjoy it just for the sake of little Chiara? Absolutely. I remember I went. We went there on a family like vacation when I was six, and that was during the Hurricane Sandy, <laughs> and that was um, one of sort of the. I guess we 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 didn't. I didn't really go on vacations very often as a child, so I think. That one was really special for me, and I think it was really cool coming back and almost, I don't want to say doing it by myself, but sort of bringing the family back. I thought that was cool. Ten years later, back in the same place. Okay, that's all we've got, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. I appreciate you for coming and dealing with me for an hour. I know it must have been torturous. Um, I apologise for any listeners who have been traumatised. Well, thanks, Kiara, very much for joining us on this week's LET Golf podcast. Make sure to follow us on all social channels at LET Golf, and we'll see you next week. It's a competition clinching shot. Whoa. How about that? The LET Golf podcast the official podcast of the Ladies' European Tour.